welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino, and today I have a wonderful guest who is a person who is very near and dear to my heart. Erin M. is a licensed professional counselor and national certified counselor as well. She has a master's degree from Lewis University and a certificate of alcohol and drug counseling from Loyola University. She's passionate about treating addiction and loves working with special issues, including shame, perfectionism, self-compassion, spirituality, and radical acceptance. She's also a lover of nature, as you will hear in our interview, an adventure seeker, an inspired traveler, and a believer in dreams. Erin created Truly Being Therapy to help people focus on being present and aligned instead of compulsively using drugs, alcohol, relationships, overworking, or food to avoid feeling. Erin believes by truly being ourselves, we can reclaim a free and joyful life. So please enjoy my interview with Erin M. Hello, Erin. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. Grateful to be here. Yay. I'm so excited to have you. Yay. I'm ready to do this. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how nervous? If I'm being honest, an eight. What? Okay. All right. A little nervous. All right. Is there anything I can do to make you feel like if we were going to go from eight to a seven, what might that look like? <laughs> um, you don't have to actually answer that. I was just being a dick. No, actually. So for me to use my tools, I'm going to say like right now I'm facing my backyard. I have a mm. view of the foothills of the mountains. And so I'm just going to take a minute to notice those. And that always helps to recenter me. So awesome. I'm good to go. See, everybody, that's a therapist doing their work. Hell yeah. <laughs> so podcast over. You've just done everything right. Oh, <laughs> so obviously the audience can tell that we know each other really well, but let me have you introduce yourself, explaining kind of who you are and what you do, and then we can go back and do the whole story of how we got here. Absolutely. My name is Erin McShane, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm the founder of Truly Being Therapy. Uh, it's a private practice in Denver, and I'm focused on helping people heal from addiction, also working through depression, anxiety, and self-esteem issues. And my practice is all about just helping individuals get realigned with who they really are. So, you know, whatever in life has, whether it's mental health or Life circumstances taking you away from your greatness, just helping you to recenter with that. And it's both something that I love doing and it's something that I've walked the path of myself. I love that you said bringing people back to their greatness Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, being fixed. Right. Yeah. I don't believe that let's get rid of all that's wrong with you. It's Mm -hmm. more like, what are the areas where there's a lot of tension and how can we help you be more aligned? Because I believe who we are, we're perfect as we are. We're born that way. And so how can you get back on the path if you've taken a few missteps? Yep. Hmm. So lovely. (laughs) Thanks. So Aaron used to work for me. That's right. And telling everyone in the audience. And you broke my heart when you told me you were moving <laughs> away. So you moved to Denver how long now? April? Yeah, since April. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's what, almost nine months or something like that, that you've been away from us and yep. we still miss you. And I know everyone at Hazelden misses you. I miss everybody there too. That's yeah. a big part of the homesickness is the the community that I have at work. Yeah. Work is a big part of my life. So yeah, I miss you folks and think of you often. Mm-hmm. Ditto. Aww. So will you tell us the story of how you ended up deciding you were going to go back to school and become a counselor? Love to. Because I know you had a previous life. I did. So to take it even back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, beginning of my life, my dad started a business when I was about two years old and grew the business basically from nothing. So I had the opportunity when I graduated to go work for him. Mm -hmm. And I majored in psychology. So I thought, well, what would be the best fit? And we decided on human resources, Mm -hmm. which I guess it is closest fit. But (laughs) I, (laughs) I quickly found myself every day struggling to get out of bed, struggling Mm -hmm. to be there on time, and really just kind of thinking, I don't belong here. This is not right for me. While I was working there, I was in grad school. And Mm. I took a break for a little bit from grad school thinking, I need to make this my interest. I need to make it my focus. And a lot of self-talk, like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just do this? At one point, even thinking I might take over the business. And, you know, then just had a series of, like, I believe that breakdowns lead to breakthroughs Mm -hmm. and had a series of breakdowns where it was just like, I can't continue in this path because this is wrong for me. And I know exactly what I want to do. I want to be a therapist. Mm. Um, And at first I thought I wanted to be a school counselor. And then I did an internship in a school and just realized I want to really go deeper with people. I want to do that soul work. So had to then tell my father and all of the employees that I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to pursue my passion And I was so afraid. I was afraid that people would say, you're making a huge mistake or I don't Mm. support you. And I had the opposite experience where people were so enthusiastic. They were so behind what I was doing. And it shocked me. And I thought, oh, my Mm. gosh. And then it made me think, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. There's always a way to judge yourself, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Even when when doing the right things, just thinking, oh, it's going to be so much harder than it really is. So I finished up my master's program and along the way decided, oh, I want to do addiction therapy. That's what I want to do the most. Mm -hmm. And I mean, talk about people who are wonderful, but living a life out of alignment. And so how can I walk the path with them through recovery and help them get re-centered and realize how incredible they really are? Mm -hmm. And then do you mind sharing the next steps of your story? Because I think that's I mean, we'll get into the wounded healer stuff, but I think that's a really important part of your journey that, you know, whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting when I decided I wanted to go in the addiction field, mainly because I realized I had this tremendous empathy for people going through the disease of addiction. And I didn't know why I had such empathy. I just knew that as a client would sit in front of me talking about their struggles, they describe it. And I would think, I feel all of those things. Those are the same emotions, you know, the shame, mm-hmm. the anxiety, 
the feeling like you're living a double life. Mm. And as it turns out, I was untreated for a process addiction Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden had to look at myself and just had this, you know, another breakthrough moment of like, I can't sit here helping these people live a better life and then not take care of myself. Mm -hmm. I actually had this breakthrough while I was in the field already and realized, oh my gosh, I'm here. And my biggest fear is that I'm a phony. And I'm like, in a way, by being in the field and just helping people see this vision of recovery, and then I'm not working it, like, I actually am a phony. That led me to a real bottom and just realizing I deserve the same help that I'm giving to others. Mm -hmm. I did an intensive. It was just digging really deep and getting into those wounds that have been there a long time that I previously would have told you, I have a perfect life. Everything is fine. And the truth was I was so disconnected from myself that I didn't know otherwise. Right. So it sounds like the experience of seeing yourself through your clients was kind of what broke through that denial? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I I had a client sitting in front of me and I identified that he had the same pattern in relationships that I did. Mm. And I was looking at him and I was going, hmm, I think this guy's got something else going on besides alcoholism. Mm. I gave him an inventory. I said, why don't you take this? And after he brought it back to me, I read it. And I was like, this is me. Like, this is my issue. So part of what addiction does is it compartmentalizes everything. Mm -hmm. So I was actually able to look and see in others their pain, but then not touch my own. And then helping to bring that together and then realizing, wow, like I can go through pain and still be of service to other people. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I feel like that's one of the reasons a lot of people go into the field of therapy is because it's so much easier to fix other people's problems than your own, you know? (laughs) Totally. Yes. Yeah. And for me, I wanted to figure out why I was fucked up. Like that was my biggest thing. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until later. And it was probably just because I had to be able to like tolerate this part of the gig, but recognizing the self-serving piece of being a therapist, knowing like when I do help people, how much I get from that and that being a huge motivator for me. (laughs) Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. Well, we were talking too about some of the work that you're doing right now and in a space where the clients might not have all of the resources they need to get to a healthier place and how much that can hurt your heart to watch a population just struggle and know that there's not a lot you can do to make it better. Right. That's the thing. I mean, I would say while I can't change anyone's life circumstance, you know, so if they're struggling financially, I can't mm-hmm. ethically be like, well, here's the deposit and, you know, let's make right. that all better. But how can I help them with the things that are within us, such as reducing that fear and being mm-hmm. able to own the things that you are feeling in your body? What is it telling you? And, you know, what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So it's hard because it takes a lot of courage to change your entire life, whether it's career, whether it's, you know, getting into recovery, you really have to be willing to trust others Mm -hmm. and 
not trying, like for me, it was like, I need to stop trying to manage this myself. Right. Because my solution always came back to, let me make sure that everybody sees me as perfect all mm-hmm. the time. And to the extent that I can do that, I can be okay. And then right. realizing that doesn't work. Oh yeah. We are sisters in perfectionism. We for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, totally. And there's so much in your story that is the same experience that a lot of clients had just from leaving a job that you thought was supposed to bring you happiness and you thought you were supposed to be able to fit into that. I mean, I literally had a conversation with a person in detox today about him recognizing that his job was killing him. Yeah. And I've had that experience, you know, and then that experience, too, of having the mirror like held up to you and you finally realizing, oh, shit, I have a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on. Yep. That's such a gift to be able to give to your clients. Totally. And I know what it's like, too, to be like, I consider myself pretty self-aware. Right. And yet to suddenly wake up and say, how did I get here? Yeah. what happened? And I've been a part of all of this, but Mm -hmm. suddenly that pain becomes so overwhelming that I'm like, I can't exist this way. This was another thing we talked about at the detox today. The fact that insight isn't always enough. Right. That there has to be something to bridge insight and behavior change. And pulling those together and with the support of somebody who can walk them through it because it is so lonely to be in that place, mm-hmm. to have all the awareness and then to not know what to do next. And That's you're the like, most painful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like recovery for you was what kind of put those two pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. Between 12 step and therapy and, you know, for the first time I was able to just like walk into a room and be completely honest about what was going on Mm. without this image management that I had really perfected it. But it was like, I'm so tired of this. So like, I'm getting a mental image of what you must have been like at your first 12 step meeting. (laughs) You know, like, can you can you recount that for us? Oh, my God. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. So this is the day after I had given that client that inventory Mm. that I totally 100% was like, I meet all criteria. Okay. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do about this? So it was the next day. It was an all women's meeting and I walked in, it was in a church. um, Mm -hmm. As they mostly are. (laughs) (laughs) Walked in and sat down It was, you know, again, because I was just so tired of covering things up and not dealing with my emotions. It came my time to share and I just like let it all out and I cried so hard. Mm. I looked across the circle and there were other women that were crying also because Mm. they identified with me. And then the people went around and had their shares and I identified with them. Yeah. And it was like, I went in there like thinking, I don't think anybody's going to get me. I don't yep. think this is going to work. It became a real safe haven for me that, you know, I went once a week and then I went more often later when I realized that wasn't enough and started working the steps and found a sponsor and did the whole deal. But I would not have been able to do that if I didn't know, like there are other people who have been through it and now have a better life. Right. I'm so glad that I ended up going to Al-Anon because there's something about working in the field and not having that experience that makes you feel like an outsider. 
Yeah. And I still like, even because I don't have a chemical addiction, I still feel like an outsider in many ways, but knowing the 12 steps from the inside, I think it's helped me be a better therapist. And it's, it's actually helped me set boundaries in a really different way. Cause Al-Anon is all about boundaries. And I imagine right. your program is as well. <laughs> yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And something that I know we talked about this actually in my interview with you a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. if we're only getting therapy, then sometimes a therapist can say, oh, you know, you, you need lots of boundaries or maybe this person is toxic and these mm-hmm. kinds of things. And then you go to 12 step and they're like, well, you should really consider your part in this. And if you just throw a boundary at someone as a weapon, right. then you can really harm that person. And then you're going to have to go back and make amends to them for this stuff that you're doing to them in recovery. So yeah. Yeah. I really like to tie that together to understand like, yes, boundaries can help a relationship. And it's all about how do we use the boundary you know, as a way of respecting the other person and self versus I'm going to throw a boundary at you and see how this feels. I'm so glad you brought that up. And the fact that you literally said a boundary is a weapon, because I Mm -hmm. feel like I've been on the receiving end of that. And it's so easy, especially therapists are so good at being passive aggressive assholes (laughs) and using this shit against you. Mm-hmm. when they're not doing their work. And I finally realized what it feels like when somebody's asking me to carry more of the weight than is mine. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's you're using this therapeutic concept as a weapon against me. Right. That's not healthy. <laughs> right. That does not help the relationship at right. all. And actually, when I've clumsily set a boundary with someone, mm-hmm. and sometimes I even feel guilt and shame after. Yep. And rightfully so, because I could have done it in a way that was more mindful mm-hmm. or more respectful of that person and what we've shared together. That's so cool. Because, yeah, now that I'm just thinking of like certain relationships and even when relationships are ending, I think there's a certain level of respect that mm-hmm. you owe each other and boundaries are good unless they're used to hurt somebody. And oftentimes we do. Absolutely. Oh, boundaries. Oh, I could write a whole book on it. Actually, there are books written about it, but I, you know. Why don't you write one? (laughs) I'd read it. I would write one about, you know, how to use them. You know, like, first of all, what is a boundary? When is Mm -hmm. it necessary? But then some of the intricacies of it, because it's so much more than just saying, I can never talk to you again. or get out of my life. And how does it feel to receive a boundary? Because that hurts too. To be on the other end, it isn't just that that person goes away and goes, okay, thanks for that. I'm going to reflect on what I did. Right. Yeah. You should write a book. I will support you. I'll write the preface. Love it. Love it. Done. Collaboration. I want to write a book on denial. I want to study denial and I can't figure out exactly how to do that because there's something in the conversations I've been having with the podcast. Like my desire is to interview people who I know are really doing their work and who have really, does this sound too lofty, like transcended their own denial. And I want to figure out what separates those of us who do transcend that and those people who get stuck in it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I have the answer to that. It's like, that's why I need to study it. You do. <laughs> right. You do. Don't start with me. I need some time on that one. Oh my gosh. Right. I'd like I've been reading books about 
Spiritual Awakening and mm-hmm. this other book that I started reading called Power Versus Force. It's like way too scientific at the beginning, but the guy is basically studying consciousness and he's dead now. So I can't interview him because I would love to. But basically he figured out there's like a certain vibration of consciousness. And he studied this and was basically saying like, so science is very A plus B equals C. It's linear. And the things that we're talking about on the podcast and the things that we deal with in therapy with people are not A plus B equals C. It's nonlinear, but there are patterns. And it's just, we have to go about studying them in a different way. And so somehow he figured out a way to study the vibration of consciousness. And I am just at the very, very beginning of the book. And like I said, it's so scientific. I'm like stumbling my way through it, but (laughs) I'm like, this is the shit. Like, that's what I want to know is how do we help people transcend that denial? And it has to do with shame too, because it's something about like, you have to build a certain amount of ego strength to be able to tolerate the shame, to be able to be resilient from it. Absolutely. I think about that old expression that says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm, Yeah. I think about as that relates to denial and how- I like that. I was definitely, (laughs) I was getting a lot of messages throughout my life that my way of coping was not working and yet I wasn't ready to see it. And then, Mm. but you know, it's still there and it was kind of like waves, you know, that come and come and come. And then finally I broke through the denial and had that moment of like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm not getting treatment. I need help. And it wasn't like that was the first time it came to me. It's just that that was the time that it broke me because I was mm-hmm. totally ready for the lesson. So I showed up to 12-step meetings with a different energy that I would have. If somebody told you to go. Yeah. Yeah. If they were like, mm-hmm. man, like, you're messed up. Go check out a meeting. I would have been like, screw you. Right. So that could be part of it too. It's just like, are you ready for it? Are you open? Right. Because there's a level of pain, of course, right? The more discomfort... But like, you know, the different level of discomfort that people need to have is different for everybody. Like, that's just the shit I want to figure out. Yeah, I support you in that. Thank you. I keep saying things like that out loud. And like you said, like when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I just keep putting it out there. And I know the universe will bring me a researcher to help (laughs) help do the shit I don't know how to do, you know? (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Well, let's shift into the conversation about healing. So how do you feel about the word healer in terms of the work that you do? It's an interesting word. It's one that I feel like I'm trying on and Mm. trying to get comfortable with. I think there's part of it that for me almost sounds like to say I'm a healer means that I'm the solution. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe I'm the solution. I believe I'm a piece of the solution. Mm Mm-hmm spirituality is very important in my life. It's important in the work that I do. And so I see it as like, when we're surrounding a client, what are the parts that really resonate within that person? Something might come to me and I present it to the client, but it's got to be that piece of them that says, you know what? That really resonated. Mm -hmm. That landed with me. It's like that that is within them that recognizes the truth And I can't say like, it's all my genius work, but it's, (laughs) I believe in a higher power is Mm -hmm. at play in all of this or call it the universe or whatever you like. 
I'm part of the solution, but there's many other ways a person can receive healing. And I believe that community is part of that. So that yeah. could look like 12 step. It could look like a yoga community yeah. or mm-hmm. cycling community. Soul cycle, perhaps. Soul cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my face just lit up when you I know. said that. I'm calling you out as a soul cycle junkie. Well, for me, when I got into recovery, that was very much, I mean, in addition to 12 step, but that was the place that I knew I could always go there and I could feel connected to my body and I could Mm. let go of whatever was troubling me Mm. and leave there having a transformative experience. Like I never left there and said like, oh, I shouldn't have gone. I was always like, oh, that felt so good. Yeah. Healer is cool, but I feel like I'm like a, I would say I'm a partial healer. I can only handle one part of things, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's what a lot of people say. And I'm mad about it. Um, (laughs) I think think we're not giving ourselves enough credit because you and I have a similar intuition with clients. And I think, so we've got the book knowledge, right? Everybody learns the same shit in school. The thing that makes somebody a really good therapist is the art part of it. And I do think that the art is what brings healing because like Mm -hmm. you said, you have an intuition about something and because of, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing because I've seen you work with some really challenging clients because of your relationship with the client, you're able to deliver information that they might not be able to hear from somebody else. Yeah. And I think that that's really special. Yeah. Wow. I accept that. I mean, I. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to debate you on that. I think you're right. It's just, it's something that feels kind of like an odd fitting dress or something that I'm like, okay, I guess I can wear this. I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. I want to create more space, especially for women to be able to own our power more. Yeah. I feel like. If we continue to have the assumption that calling oneself a healer means that we're doing all the work, like that's just, that's not true. I think our society is so fearful of being considered egotistical Mm -hmm. that we would rather push something away in a desire to be seen as humble. What I've been trying to do for myself is own my power and be grateful. And it's true. That is how I feel. But that also seems to demonstrate the humility that is my intention to promote. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because like it's uncomfortable if you give somebody a compliment and they say, oh, no, like, you know, they don't own it. And I feel like that's what healer is as well, is that like people I'm asking to be on this show, I'm not berating you, but I feel like now I'm on a soapbox. But like (laughs) because I've just done so many of these interviews where especially women will push the word away. And I'm like, no, I see you as a healer. So I want you to see yourself as that, too. Yeah, bringing it back to like what I want for my clients, which like, it's always easier for me to see it for them first. Like, oh my gosh, like this life and your own greatness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can see past whatever they're focused on, whether that's the anxiety or that's the addiction or that's Mm -hmm. anger, but I can see their greatness. And I have to continually think to myself, I'm eligible too. Yeah. But it's, To be honest, it's just usually an afterthought. So it's something I'm trying to shift. Yeah. So let me invite you to shift that. And I think you're an incredible healer. 
Thank you. And we already talked about essentially the wounded part of yourself, but I'm curious the term wounded healer, how that resonates or doesn't for you. That's easier to take. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. When I went into the field, so this is going to kind of backtrack for a second. Yeah, please. When I went into the field, I was so focused on being perfect. I wanted to be the perfect person. I also wanted to be the perfect clinician. Yeah. And the feedback that I got both from supervisors and they saw me in action because it was a lot of group therapy Mm -hmm. and also that I got from clients was that I wasn't very relatable. Wow. They were like... One supervisor said to me, I know you want to do a good job, but you are like impenetrable. Oh, oh my God. I just stuck a knife in my heart (laughs) with that. Jesus. Yeah. And at first I was like impenetrable. So like strong. So, you know, like (laughs) resilient. (laughs) Good reframe. Good reframe. But because it was so hard to hear because what he was telling me was, that people felt like they couldn't be themselves around me. Yeah. And that's not what we want for clients at all. This is me as an intern and stuff. I'm like, I wish I could give people a refund. You know, sorry about that. But the truth is, once I started doing my work, yeah, I'm really transforming that part of me that has been wounded for a long time, mm-hmm. who such compassion for the girl who didn't know what else to do but to do basically all of the wrong things, create a lot of chaos Mm -hmm. and just trying to like feel better. And then transforming that into, oh, because I've dealt with all that, because I know the shame, because I know the double life, this actually is going to help me to sit with people in that pain, Mm -hmm. not try and change it, not try and give them a silver lining or whatever, Mm -hmm. but to really just honor that transformation that they're going to go through. Right. Because- I keep telling my students, some of them get pissed off, but I'm like, you have to be in therapy. You have to be doing your own work. I would never trust a therapist who isn't actively in some sort of healing process. Right. I mean, it helped me to be better. And all of a sudden when, let's say I was in group therapy and something happened or I added some genius contribution to the conversation, my (laughs) clients looked at me and said like, uh... Now, actually, Erin, I totally disagree with you. Like, mm. it didn't wound me as hard. Just being able to own that and being like, uh, sorry, if you wanted a perfect therapist, that's not going to be me. And it just helped to create a better bond. And yeah, we work with clients who many of whom are going through like the worst time in their entire lives. Yep. So if they're talking to a person who really hasn't been through their own challenges or isn't willing to touch. We all have pain. I mean, everybody does. If we are ourselves unwilling to touch that, then it's like asking something of them that we're not doing ourselves. It's kind of, it's a little unfair. Yeah, absolutely. Because the vulnerability that we're asking of clients, I think sometimes, especially the folks who struggle with trust, I think Mm -hmm. they want to know that there's a level of vulnerability that we're willing to exhibit as well. Absolutely. And I don't overuse self-disclosure. Hey, I work in anonymous program, which is why I don't feel the need to say, "Ah, this Mm -hmm. is everything about everything. And also some clients are kind of like, hey, 
this is my session, you know, this right, isn't right. about you. Right. you know? Yeah. But I have had a few times and somebody has asked me about my own journey. They ultimately just want to know, can I trust you? Yeah. I'm feeling uncomfortable. And I want to know that you've done more than just study this in school and that you're connected to it in like a soul way. Right. Whether they use those words or not, that's what they really want to know. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really want to share with people today? I think it's important just noticing in our lives, like where are the areas where we're not aligned? You know, like if it happened in our spine, if all of a sudden our spine is out of alignment, like we would feel some pain, we'd feel Mm -hmm. tension, all of that. So in what ways, if you're not aligned, whether it's like, here's what I believe and here's the way I'm acting. So my behaviors are not connected to those. There's going to be some pain and maybe it's your own, maybe it's pain from others, Mm -hmm. but it's an invitation to take action and to make things better. And I trust the universe and I trust that even with taking risks in life, I mean, I've, I've been through a lot of changes. I've changed careers. (laughs) I've left a marriage that Mm -hmm. I was very unhappy in. And so was he, I initiated that ending Mm -hmm. and getting into recovery. It's like just trusting that I'm moving away from something that's not working and there's going to be something better for me. Right. And Hey, like the universe is always recalibrating. So if I am on the wrong path for too long, I'm going to get bigger messages from the universe saying, whoa, this is not for you. Right. And as long as I can trust that and listen to it, then I'm good. So I offer the same to any listeners and to my clients too, is that like, we just have to tune into ourselves Mm -hmm. and Sometimes in recovery, we're so disconnected that it's like, I don't even know who I am and what I like. Right. So that can be a great starting point for therapy too, is like, Mm -hmm. what do you like? What's important to you? Well, in order to tune in, we have to slow down and get quiet. And that's not supported by our culture. So true. We're a culture of you're going through something. Well, you better get busy. Mm-hmm. You know, you should fill your calendar with things. Yep. And the further I go along, I'm like, I really need to be mindful about my schedule or else I get so disconnected from myself. And it's like I can't tune into the wisdom. Right. Erin, I love you. Oh, I love you too, Sarah. Yeah, this has been really awesome, as I expected. Hmm. Thank you so much. I mean, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and I know the listeners are going to dig it. I hope so. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Erin. I hope you enjoyed listening to her as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. To find out more about Erin, you can visit my website. And as always, thank you so much to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz of Creative Imposter Studios for their amazing editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art photo, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Thanks so much. Until next time. Bye-bye.